Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sleep Talk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog, uh, fresh off of uh, your um, every episode technical difficulties. And I'm with the Big Hawk, who just burped right off the gate. What's up, SHWW? It's the Big Hawk. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Really looking forward to this pod. Uh, a lot of news, uh, a lot of March craziness, and we're going to dissect it all. You get your answers right here. You ask, you shall receive. Uh, really looking forward to this one. Um, let's get into it, sleep. Yeah, we got a bunch of DMs we're going to get to later. Uh, we got like kind of a smorgasbord full of things going on here. We got Caleb Love coming back. We got the final four or like the final six at this point as we sit here recording today uh, we'll talk about the games tonight uh and then we've got you know a little discussion about the referees which seems to be a weekly occurrence here last mm-hmm. night old baylor women got robbed uh we might even dive into some nba uh, a lot of weird stuff going on in the nba with uh, a lot of people's feelings getting hurt about lamarcus aldridge signing with the nets maybe we'll talk about that maybe we won't uh NFL, kind of big news today. They're going to have 17 games in the regular season. Uh, more more for these degenerate fantasy football players like myself to just get real pissed about uh, late in the season. Deshaun Watson, we might get into that. Uh, he just got cut. Uh, and, man, things are not looking good for that guy. Mm. But I think we got to start by apologizing to Sleephog Nation uh, or maybe saying I told you so in my case. Uh, our man Sheed the Prez uh, came on. Right before uh, tip yesterday, and man, he just laid it on you, man. He hit the hit you with the home run picks. Uh, you know, I mean, absolute locks. And you know, if you listen to me enough, you would know that you should go the other way. She'd picked uh, the Alabama game, the under. Uh, he picked something else that didn't work. And he picked Alabama to go all. He like gave you two picks and said it was three. And then in the comments, he said it was he defined the third one. Uh, next thing you know, all three of them lost. Mm-hmm. So uh, true to form, if you really if you if you know the show, you know to go the other way. And then when you go the other way, you cash in. Uh, anyway, Alabama's out. Uh, Baylor, Houston are in. Gonzaga, USC tonight. UCLA, Michigan. After that, what do you got, Big Hawk? Well, you said it perfectly. We had Sheed, the Prez, Mr. Bucket Locket Pickett. Uh, we're going to start calling him um, Baggett. Baggett. Once he <laughs> says go the other direction, opposite. This ain't, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, we've got an announcement to make. Um, Matthew Roberts has been let go. Uh, that is uh, his formal name for. Uh, yeah, you guys know him as Mr. Pickett, Bucket, and Locket. Cheat the Prez. Uh, he is no longer uh, working with us or doing any type of collaborations. We have let him go. Uh, we wish him the best on his journey and um, the best wherever he decides to go in life. Nothing but, um, you know, all the best wishes for him. But final four, let's talk about it. So Houston, Baylor, they secured their ticket the other night. Uh, Houston's playing well. Um, Baylor's playing well. Um so that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think Baylor's too much athletically. Um, so I see Houston win- Houston winning that. So we got tonight, we got USC versus Gonzaga. As you guys know, I'm a big fan of the USC. I'm a big fan of those brothers. Um, the Mobley brothers, I think they're mm-hmm. on the team. 
those kids can hoop. Uh, they're athletic. They have size. Um, I don't think you see that in the WAC conference. And uh, it's nothing against Gonzaga. You know, they it's a WAC conference. It is a WAC conference, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's WAC. It's a WAC conference. Yeah, I don't it know is if it's a technically. WAC I think it's when like it comes the, to talent. I mean, but Gonzaga. Hey, this the is what happens. The Redwood Tree National Conference or something is what they playing up there. <laughs> yeah. So this is what Gonzaga does. So great teams make bad teams look bad. So Gonzaga has, you know, they have a perfect record right now. And they are a very good team. But they're going to be tested tonight against USC. These two brothers, they're athletic. They have size. They have not seen that. And it's going to be an interesting matchup. Big Hawk, I'm picking USC. I could be wrong. I don't know what it is about Gonzaga. Guys, I don't know what it is. I want them to – I don't – I'm a hater, whatever you want to call – I want them to lose. What do you What do you think, Sleep? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last pod. I mean, you went all in on USC, so you know, let's let's remind everybody of that after we uh, after we let Sheed go. We're not going to let the Big Hawk go. I can promise you that, since he's a primary draw here. However, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Tyler's all in on USC. Gonzaga, we agree that. I mean, I don't even know why. Like, I don't. It's weird. Gonzaga is a team that like I don't even dislike. But I hate at the same time. It's like I don't know if they're boring because they're not really that boring. Uh, they don't really have like you know these perennial, perennial players. I guess Cole, Kelly Olynyk didn't he play there? Like he was one guy that I just really didn't like. But I mean, for all Adam Morrison, like Adam Morrison played for the Hornets. Like it's hard not to like Adam Morrison in college. And they don't really have any players that you're just like hate uh the coach is great the team is always good i just hate them they're just not i don't know can't put my finger on it so i'm usc all the way too um but uh there's old uh sleep dog dog finland yep well that's that's what you get when you uh come to the lab you know anyway uh you get lab barks uh so yeah i mean i think Dude, I don't know, man. Gonzaga loses or wins the games they're supposed to win. That's like my defining sort of statement on them. Haven't seen them play much. Haven't seen USC play at all. Uh, that being said, you know I kind of defer to you on this uh, this USC thing you're on. So I think it's going to be a good game. It's like you know that's the one thing I'll say about the two games last night. I watched the Houston uh, Oregon State game. You know, pretty much start to finish, mm-hmm. and that was a great game. It was awesome. I mean, I don't like Kelvin Sampson because what? Well, he was at what Oklahoma or something, didn't they get in a bunch of trouble or something yeah, like so that? So he got in some trouble. Um, he's bounced around a little bit, but he did a very good job at Oklahoma. But there were some issues. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you cheat, you're going to get caught. Um, <laughs> so he's bounced around a little bit, but you know he's he's done a very good job. And I'm, we're all about second chances as long as yep. he's doing it the right Fair. way. But I mean. He's really made a name for himself this year, and he's done a great job. Um, Dude, who is that kid Zero from their team? His name is uh, Sheed the Prez has got to be all over this. I know he's Waverly on. or uh, – No, it's uh, – anyway, I'll look it up. But that, that kid was impressive last night. He was the kid from Houston, yeah. number zero, led the team in scoring. I'll look it up while you keep going. Sorry. So the thing about Houston is they play hard. And they, they run and they play fast. It seems like they have a good chemistry going. Uh, it seems like the guys really enjoy playing well with each other. Anytime that happens, I'm all in. I really like it. Gonzaga does have that. I can't hate too much, and i got to be real at times. Gonzaga, they have great chemistry, okay, and they play well with each other. And the, like, the spirit of the team, that's something that a lot of people don't look at from the outside. The spirit, okay? When you have teammates that generally are pulling for the betterment of the team – then great things can 
great things can be accomplished. So you have a lot of kids that are pulling for each other and wanting each other to do well instead of like, hey, I want to play, I want to start, complaining about minutes. That's what I think Gonzaga and Houston seems to have uh, from the outside looking in. Um, but I am going USC tonight. I think the two bigs are too athletic, and I don't think Gonzaga has seen, has seen that, and I think USC is going to win. UCLA, Michigan. Now, UCLA has been a Cinderella. They had the, buy, they had the play-in game. Oh, yeah. Against Michigan State, and that came down to the wire, if I'm not wrong. So they've, had, they've been tested all the way up to the Elite Eight. And this is, uh, this is an interesting story because – Anything can happen in the tournament. Literally, the play-in game is playing for a ticket to the Final Four. So, um, Nick Cronin, I think that's a head coach of UCLA, has done a tremendous job, and so has Jawan Howard. I didn't think Jawan Howard would do nearly the job that he's done at Michigan. Unbelievable job. you got to give him credit. Yep. He has been a great coach this year. And Michigan's playing well. I really haven't bought into Michigan. But somehow, they're still here in the Elite Eight. So my problem is, do I think UCLA or Michigan are one of the four best teams in the tournament? No, I don't. But we're in this predicament. Who am I going to pick? I'm going to go Michigan. Hey, man, I can't argue with it again. I don't think I've seen UCLA play a game. I've seen Michigan play a little bit. Uh, kind of with you there. Going back to the Houston thing, before I jump into what I think is going to happen in this game, uh, it was um, – <clears throat> Marcus Sasser, I was talking about. Guy had guy went off last night. He's only six one. I thought this dude was easily bigger than that. I mean, he had like uh uh he was five for ten from three at one point. He was leading the had like twenty points, and there was like ten minutes to go in the game. The other dude that was really good was uh Quentin Grimes. He he played well and then uh Dijon Giroux. Yeah, so the Giroux kid, yeah. I think he's a transfer from Kansas, but he was a. Uh, He's been a heck of a player all tournament, and uh, he's the guy that was no. I think he was in, in Houston last year because I remember them saying last night he was a defensive player of the year last year. Now he might have been. He's a redshirt senior, so yeah, he he may have transferred in. Yeah, so he's he's. I think he's their key player. He's played unbelievable, and we have a comment from Becca, and she said UCLA went into double overtime or went into overtime against Alabama. That is very true. And did you see that shot to send it into over, overtime from Alabama? Nope. That was unbelievable, coming right down to the wire. Um, so UCLA, I think, makes a free throw, and there's four seconds, four seconds left on the clock. And um, basically Alabama advances the ball, finds a guy probably about eight feet behind the three-point line and just drains wow. it. Wow. And nothing but net. And – you know, when that happened, I was like, it's over for UCLA because I thought the momentum, that would give Alabama the momentum. But UCLA stayed strong, and they came through and won. They had one player playing unbelievable, the kid with the headband. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be an interesting matchup, but I think Michigan's going to win. Yeah, in all fairness, I know we probably got a lot of people out there like, dude, you do a sports podcast with a guy that was like a college basketball hero, and you're not watching NCAA tournament. Let me tell you something. Now I remember why I didn't see that, because that shit happened after 9 p.m. And all I wanted to see was what ultimately happened, which was the over, because remember, she'd pick the under, and UCLA win. So shame on me. But they don't call me sleep dog because I stay awake late. Okay, they call me sleep dog because I go to sleep early, and uh, and often, uh, and in, in in social situations from time to time. But yeah, I, I do remember seeing the highlights now, uh, and 
yeah, dude, I, like I said, I didn't expect the Houston game to be close. I really didn't expect the Baylor game to be that close, and I guess it really wasn't. Those were two great games. If we get those two games as good as they were last, uh, the two last night, then uh, an otherwise like boring ass, you know, into the tournament. Yeah, Houston Baylor is going to be an awesome game. I think the winner of that game wins it all. And I called Baylor earlier because I saw them play Wisconsin. And I was like, dude, if they play like they played against Wisconsin, they ain't nobody beating these guys. So USC Gonzaga, man, I'm going to go USC as well. Um, you know, mainly for the same reasons you said. I think Michigan is a logical pick to beat UCLA. Uh, mainly, I don't want UCLA to win. Because of all this, like, it's, it feels funny to me that UCLA still gets all this credit as, like, a blue chip program when they won, like, three million games in a row when no one else played college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, still a story program, whatever. Michigan, USC, Baylor, Houston. Baylor, Houston's a dogfight. I pick Baylor. UCLA, because this is all going to be over by the time we talk to you again, I think. UCLA, US, or, uh, USC, Michigan. I go Michigan. I go Michigan. Just to disagree, and you know, like I said, I don't take Baylor to win at all. But yeah, it's uh, it'll be two good games. To so take. all right. So my pick is I think Baylor and Houston. I think Baylor wins it, um, and I think it's gonna be USC versus Michigan. I think USC wins that. So we're gonna have a Baylor USC final. I'm gonna go USC, um, and I'll no. I'm gonna go Baylor. Uh, hmm. This is gonna be a great game. This is good. Um, yeah, so this is going to be sure you two- don't want to go with Gonzaga. Maybe say Gonzaga all of a sudden on second thought, third thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gonzaga might beat them. They're eight and a half favorites. Uh, Damn, are they really? Yeah. So wow. Okay. I didn't like that. Didn't make make me feel great about my pick USC, but <laughs> they are eight and a half uh, favorites, and I'm not sure the last time somebody was favored Lord. by eight and a half uh, actually lost a game. But um, yeah, that's who I'm going to go with. I'm going to go Baylor winning the whole thing. Um, Baylor USC. Baylor going to win. So now um, now that we got the Final Four and the championship game covered, um, we're going to go to our awards. Um, obviously, I vote on them. And Sleep, we're going to get his opinion as well. Player of the year, I'm going Luca Garza. And uh, I just think he's, he's done a, an unbelievable job for Iowa. And I think he's probably had the best uh, season of any player in college. And – I know a lot of people have made comparisons to me and him. I just don't think it's – I don't think we're comparable. Um, the one thing I do think what this what he does that I did similar is he's able to take contract contact and play through different angles and still finish the ball around the rim. I think he's really good at that. I was similar at that as well. He gets offensive rebounds close around the rim. I do that as well. Did that as well when I was in college. The one difference is um, – Defensively, you could switch me out on the perimeter, and I, w- I would guard. I would guard guards at time. If you remember back in UNC, and so that was kind of like my my thing is I was a very good pick and roll defender at UN at UNC. Uh, shooting NBA, I was a very good pick and roll defender. Um, but uh, I don't think he's able to move. He didn't run like I did. He does some other things better than me. He has more size, probably weighs more, but. He doesn't run the court like I did, and um, I'll probably never get credit for that because everyone says I was unathletic just because they didn't watch college uh, basketball. But, uh, yeah, I'm going Luka Garza. And the coach of the year, I'm actually going to go Mark Few. It's hard to vote against a coach that has a perfect record and uh, has gotten this far into the tournament. I usually don't like doing awards before um, the season is – 
is over. I think the tournament should be weighed a little bit, but that's just not how these awards go. Um, so I always hate it when we, we have coach of the year. He's, he's had a great regular season, and all of a sudden they lose in the first two rounds of the tournament. And then just like, well, was that a satisfying year for that coach? Or or even at this point, yeah. you know what I mean? Like some of the coaches, like like Leonard Hamilton. Like if I was being honest, I think I think that guy had, you know, is perennially uh, he does more with less than than a lot of coaches in college basketball. But who'd you say? Uh, Leonard Hamilton from from yeah. Florida State. You know, and 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 even though you're supposed to, yeah, I guess leave that out of the equation, and you, you just fundamentally can't. At this stage. So, you know, if Florida State, you know, makes it this far, he's in the conversation. I think because they didn't, he's not. Uh, I think Luca's definitely player of the year. There's no question about it. Uh, that kid, uh, what is it, Crispert or something from uh, from Gonzaga, he's, he's got a shot at it too. But uh, I think I think Garza is, is a no-brainer uh, at this point. I feel like the player of the year is a little less weighted towards did your team make it deep in the, in the tournament. Um, you know, I guess um, – the only argument I guess I would have with Mark Few would have to be either Kelvin Sampson with Houston or uh, whoever the hell coaches Baylor because they're pretty good. I think it's Scott uh, Drew, right? Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea. So, but. Coach, you, you make a great point. Uh, when I was looking at the the voting thing, Leonard Hamilton was on there, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves even though, I listen, I, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Coach Hamilton, but he's done a great job this year, um, and I think he deserves a little bit of credit. And I'm a realist, so I, I, don't, I can only hate as much as I can. Uh, personally, I'm not a big fan of him, but he's had a great year, and I give him respect. I respect him from that aspect. Uh, you know, th- this Coach of the Year uh, award, to me, um, this year means a ton in the COVID year. Yeah. Because of scheduling, um, you know, just preparing off the court, all these issues. And I think it's an, I think this coach of the year would be incredible for whoever gets it. Mark Few, if he gets it, I think this is an unbelievable accomplishment um, just for dealing with COVID and having the record that you do because it's so difficult. And I would say um, to me, this, this coach of the year would have more weight than you know, just a regular coach of the yeah. year. And I, th- I really think he's done a great job. But we also got to look at mid-majors. I think Wes Miller did a great job this year too. Oh, he won their conference, conference tournament. And before, um, uh, who was it? Michigan that beat Florida State, I think. Yeah, before that, I mean, he was a Gave only, him a run, didn't gave he? Gave him a run. Yeah. And they covered. So, um, gave him a run, and I think he deserves a lot of credit as well. Shit, man. Everybody in, in Sleephawk Nation, you need to call your congressmen, congresswomen. Uh, you know, you really need to lobby for this because I think Wes Miller is the coach of the year. Uh, you know, uh, Big Hawk and I are not biased at all. Uh, we come at this from a very, um, you know, I don't know, uh, unbiased point of view. I just think that we really need to do what we can to let Mark Emmert know that uh, there's a new sheriff in town. His name's Wes Miller, and I think he's coach of the year. Uh, yeah, I think Few wins it. Yeah, I think Garza wins it. I think there's not not a whole lot of debate there. Um, but yeah, th- those those awards are. You know, it'll be more interesting to me. I think the uh, the All American stuff is more interesting to me. I think than. Than necessarily play of the year, and the, probably the reason I'm saying that is because you know we don't have anybody in the running. But um, so Beckett said that uh, Miller has totally transformed UNCG. I agree with you. Um, 
They've won 20 games five years in a row. I don't give a damn what conference you play in. <laughs> Mark Denny said, uh, what about the Alabama coach? Yeah, give him credit. Uh, figure yep. out his name and let us know. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> give him credit. Uh, the only coach we know in Alabama is a football coach, and uh, I can't even think of his name. Nick uh, Saban. Nick, yep, Nick Saban. Final sleep dog finally got one. Uh, I, I swear I'm a sports fan. I'm just uh, – I do have a day job too. But, uh, yeah, uh, well – as far as the tournament goes, I think I think before we roll into the the, the news that probably all the UNC fans want to hear us cover, I do think it's pretty uh, nice little segue over to the Baylor UConn game. You want to talk about something that the Sleep Dog doesn't know anything about is women's college basketball. I know UConn. I know, uh, yeah, Baylor's been been good for a long time. But that game last night. Anytime LeBron chimes in, I'm in. I'm listening. Right, uh, dude. That girl got. Annihilated on the way to the basket. Reswell's whistle. Uh, the the um, the coach. You know she she was pissed, rightfully so. Um, I don't know if you saw what she said about them not doing COVID testing now, which was weird, also. But uh, yeah, dude. To me, all day long, you got to call that. Put the girl at the line. I think they were down one. And yeah, I mean they they they. They decided the game point blank, man. If I'm a if I'm a Baylor women's basketball player, I am not happy. I agree. And um here's the thing is um what you got to do is you got to give them a chance. You got to make the right call. And we talked about it all the time on the podcast. I brought it up as far as back as before the ACC tournament. Okay? Listen, okay? Coaches don't stop coaching. Players don't stop playing. You can't stop refing because it's a point in the game. If you're scared to make a call or make yourself vulnerable, do not put yourself in these situations. That was a foul. How was that not a foul? Not even. I mean, there's no How excuse. is that not a foul? The ref is literally the closest person to the play. Great angle. We all saw it on TV. Why did you not call that? Let the players decide the game. Well, okay, they did. They fouled her. They fouled her multiple times. She got yeah. hit in the face, oh my God. arm, undercut, and uh, still not a whistle in sight. Oh, and they in- actually called the foul on the missed shot so that, that, that UConn goes down and gets a free throw, and they only win by two. But, yeah, I mean, it was a debacle. I mean, it's just, it's just a terrible – I mean, that is – like, there are very few women's and, and you know – Apologize for saying this, but there are very few women's college basketball games that have broad appeal. Uh, that game had it, uh, as evidenced by the reaction to it. I think if that happens at a Baylor, you know, uh, Wake Tech community college game, nobody cares. But you know, that is probably the biggest game in the women's tournament, <clears throat> and it's their showcase game. And just like their showcase tournament, which was ruined by, you know, this peripheral of, of the, the women's weight room incident, you know, now the best game, their marquee game gets ruined by something else. That's not uh part of the game. And it's just like, it's sad to see. And, and uh, you know, we've talked a lot about how uh, this is a perfect example, you know, going back to what you were saying about where's the accountability of the referees? Where's the press conference where the referee comes out there and says, listen, I was supposed to do my job. I didn't do it. Gino Ariema was basically talking about how he's not going to apologize. And you know what? He sounded like a total dick, but he's right. And it's weird because like, you know, and, and then and then Baylor sounds like they're just totally complaining about the call. 
And they're right. So the, 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 the shitty part is, is that you, you get it on either side. And, you know, uh, you know, I just don't know how you miss a call like that. Like, even if you panicked, even if I'm the referee and I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? And I just decided not to blow the whistle. Like, if the ref came out and said that in a press conference, was like, you know what? I really screwed up and I'm sorry or, you know, whatever. You would feel like everybody would be like, okay, fine. I understand. Maybe I'm still pissed. But, you know, you don't get that. You don't get it from the NCAA. Even the NCAA hasn't come out and said, yeah, uh, we're going to state the obvious here and talk about this missed call. They just hope that it just goes away. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and sleep, we've talked about it, and I agree with your point right here, is if the NCAA just brought it to the table and said, we made a mistake at this point in the game, there should have been a foul, I think we all just leave it alone. And the fact that they they don't do it, it's like their apology for the women's weight room. Yeah, we're sorry, like kind of send somebody Mm -hmm. else to do – the you know president's job. This guy needs to be more active. What is he doing? Like what is he doing? Like we haven't seen, we haven't heard from this guy. Hey, the refs have been messing up. The NCAA is an absolute dumpster fire right now. And wh- where are you? Like what are you doing? Um, comment about the women's weight room apology and just come out and say, hey, these refs missed this call. And I think we all leave it alone. Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. And um, so we got a comment. Uh, Nate Oates is the uh, Alabama's coach. So uh, wow. old Denny, uh, Mark Denny just said that. And um, Quaker Oates. Oh, yeah, I have never got that one. I'm a big fan years. of Quaker. Uh, yep. Quaker Oates. Mm-hmm. Um, still cut. Honey bunches of oats. Uh, it's Tuesday uh, today. I just thought of this. You know, old sleep dog. You know that you guys know the rules. Sleep hawk nation. Got me a haircut today. I don't know if you guys can tell. The phone's too far away. Can't mm-hmm. see it. Uh, anyway, just thought of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can go on and on and on. It's just another terrible call, another terrible look. Yes. Uh, and you know, at some point, oh, and the, the last thing I want to say about it is the Baylor coach is rightfully pissed. And, and I don't know if, quite if this works like the NBA. I don't think it does. But you know, wouldn't be surprised to see her get reprimanded. And it's like, why? Why is she going to get in trouble? Why is anybody looking? And and her comment was actually kind of smart. She was like, you know, you don't need to ask the question. You don't need to hear me say it. You saw the call, you know? I yeah. mean, and, and the poor girl, you know, she's like, fouled me on my face. They fouled me on my arm. Like, I don't know what to do. You just feel for them because, you know, these kids have, have, uh, have busted their ass all year through, like you said, this COVID season. And it's just, you know. I, I think both coaches have a great point. I think Baylor's coach came out, what you just said. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gino came out and said, yeah, I'm not going to apologize because the refs blew a call. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I would do. I think yep. that's what you would do. And so you got to respect both of them. And, and he's like, what do you want me to do? You yep. want me to say that – you want me to go – he's like, I doubt anyone that ever won a bad call has ever called him up and be like, hey, actually, we're going to give this back. Girls still got to make the free throws. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why they – that's why they do it. But, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this would be a perfect time to segue. Uh, Eric Hoots, welcome to SHWW, one of my good buddies. Um, We had a uh, UNC basketball, uh, my former teammate, Danny Green, made a great donation uh, to the school, and uh, I'm not sure what they come out and say it was. A million bucks, dude. A million dollars. Big ones. uh, A million smackaroos. Dude, that's a large amount of money. Yeah, so shout out to DG. Um, He also runs a a podcast, and uh, 
you know, we're all pulling for him. He was a great teammate, great person, and I'm just uh, – I couldn't be more excited for a guy to watch his progression as a person and player coming up through the NBA, kind of like – you know, there's one point in the league where DG was kind of like almost out of the league. Mm-hmm. Goes to San Antonio, really gets into the rotation, plays well, and kind of fits there. And ever since, just doing big things. And uh, I really respect that. And he's – you know, he's he's a hell of a player. And, yeah. And uh, – you know, won a few rings in the NBA, doing great. So we'd love to see that uh, success. And obviously, uh, anytime someone gives back to the program like that, uh, much res- much respect to him. And also, we can talk about Caleb Love coming back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that we had talked about in previous pods about some of the issues with the current team is buying into the system, right? And and how you know they just have to trust at that young age that the system is going to make them good, not just their talent anymore. And there is no better example of that in the NBA than Danny Green. I mean, he goes to the uh, he goes to to San Antonio, takes that demeanor with him, mm-hmm. does what he's asked to do, plays the role, and plays it. You know, he takes the opportunity that's given to him and he is a championship player and he is he is in the conversation with people like Derek Fisher and Robert Ory and Steve Kerr and all these like Ray Allen might be a bit of a stretch because Ray Allen's probably a Hall of Famer but he's the type of role player that when someone's in contention they're going to looking for that guy you look at the teams he hops around to and there's a reason he goes to good ones it's because they know that this guy is going to play the role knock down shots and not need the attention and before we get to Caleb Love one of my favorite stories to share with people is after my um after that 2005 year it may have been after Sean May and Felton went to the NBA the Bobcats Wizards had a had a pre had a uh, uh whatever like a preseason a scrimmage exhibition game at the Dean Dome as they have like every year uh, some NBA teams with UNC connection and so Brendan Haywood Anton Jameson were on the Wizards. Sean May, Ray Felton are on Bobcats. I don't remember the exact year, but I remember the team had, you know, it was loaded. It had all these guys that were, um, you know, NBA caliber players. It would have been your team because it had Danny there, uh, right? So in 05, 06, I think what you're talking about. So, uh, so what are you talking about? You're talking about after the year before in 05, Sean May, uh, Marvin Williams, um, Rashad McCants. Yeah. Um, all those guys Raymond were in Felton, the NBA. They all got drafted. So you might be talking about 06, 07. Is that when Ty? Uh, That's it. Yeah, yeah, Ty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon, Wayne. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Myself. Yeah. Um, was this that? was October 17, 2006, I think, because I'm just looking up where the hell it was. Yeah. And. Um, and so here, regardless of the year, the reason why that matters is because who was on the team. And at the time, everybody knew Lawson was good. Everybody knew Hansborough was good. Everybody knew Wayne Ellington was good. I mean, these guys were like, you know, the the obvious answers to this question. And all the reporters, I remember, huddled up after the game, and they asked all four of those guys the same question, which was, who do they think was the most NBA-ready player on the team? And all four of those guys said Danny Green. And everybody was like, Danny Green? Danny Green's like the sixth man on this team. Like, he barely, you know? And it was really kind of, like, cool. Actually, about two years ago, I'm, I went to a, a golf tournament and Anton Jameson was there and I actually met him on the driving range. He was a really cool dude. And I told him this story. I was like, I remember when you said that Danny Green was going to be an NBA ready, the most NBA ready player on the team. Everybody was like, dude, why are they saying that? And it was just really fascinating to me 
that of all the players on that team, I mean, Wayne Ellington's had a great career too, but Danny has clearly had the best career, won three championships now. And uh, anyway, it just was really, really fascinating to me to hear that point of view from other NBA players. And then it just come to fruition. It's just this un sort of, you know, a regular guy, like all of us in the media watch every single game and study the games and know the stats and know the players. And, you know, even we were like scratching our heads and it was just co- really cool to realize that those guys know it at a different level. Yeah. And you make a great point talking about Robert Horry um, and some of the other guys like key pieces to championship teams. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look back at, uh, you know, you look back at San Antonio and then you see, like Tim Duncan, Manu mm-hmm. Ginobili, and Tony Parker, and those yep. guys, those are three Hall of Famers right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no better bench player than Manu Ginobili. Tim Duncan, one of the greatest power forwards of all time. Tony Parker, um, unbelievable point guard. And he was a key player. Um, and, hell, Kawhi Leonard. And mm-hmm. uh, Kawhi Leonard's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best players to ever play. Um so is Tim Duncan. Yep. And so when you look at their careers, Danny Green will be part of that. And then you go over to the Lakers and you see, you know, you got to talk about Toronto too. So he goes from San Antonio to Toronto, wins a championship there. And then you have Kawhi Leonard there. And then he wins one there. And then he goes to the Lakers and wins one. So those are three different teams yeah. that he's won a ring with. I'm not sure how many other players have done that. So Robert Ory, this is crazy. Robert Ory won seven NBA championships. Two with the Rockets, three with the Lakers, two with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Ron Harper, Steve Kerr. I mean, these guys won five championships with different teams. Derek Fisher won five. I mean, Kobe won five. Right. I mean, so it just goes to show you that, like, the kind of company he's in. Granted, he's only won three, right? But three is a lot of damn NBA championships. There's a lot of people that killed win one. Um, and, you know, it's just interesting and, and, and really, really cool. Um, yeah, but you can make the argument when you look back at LeBron and you see, like, mm-hmm. he won with the, the Lakers. Like, Danny was a key piece of that. Yeah. LeBron can make an argument for the best player ever, him and MJ. Yep. Um, Kawhi Leonard kind of establishing yeah. establishing himself as like a, you know, a, a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame, key piece of the Toronto Raptors. And then Tim Duncan, arguably, arguably the best power forward ever. Yep. You know, Danny Green's right there with him. So, I mean, that is unbelievable for him to be key pieces, not only on, like, championship teams but some of the greatest players to ever play yeah absolutely so shout out to danny green man hope to get you on the pod someday dude because uh you're like our hero uh (laughs) caleb love man all right so caleb love announced he was coming back and actually one of the guys was coming earlier mark denny had had reached out to me and talked about this and i thought it was a fascinating point like you know the, the point we're at where um you know, where we're just sitting on the edge of our seat for a freshman to come back who is, you know, an arguable NBA player at this point. Uh, you know, and it's a it's a fascinating um sort of paradox here. You got this kid who is who's like 
rewind to the beginning of the year and of course you're having that conversation look at the production and you're just like how could this guy not come back and you know but also i think when it all when it all comes out in the wash you know i think me and a lot of the unc fans were probably just a little freaked out when walker left uh everybody already thought that dayron was going to go if you really think about it in hindsight i mean he was already kind of nba ready and you know we started to think all of a sudden like man we might wind up with a old sleep dog coming back for that one last year eligibility run the point here and, and in actuality I mean maybe it's a lot more tame definitely things have subs uh, you know calmed down about Baycott and you know it just seems like you know the shit isn't going to hit the fan but I'm curious to think to hear what your perspective is on love returning and you know kind of what he needs to do to sort of turn things around um, and you know kind of what you expect out of him next year yeah so I'm, I'm super excited Caleb's coming back and one of those the reasons I'm excited is because the whole COVID year, I don't think really prepared freshmen for the season uh, like they're like everyone's used to. So these guys were extremely raw coming in here. The COVID policies and everything, stop, pause, stop, pause. Mm-hmm. Really, a freshman really didn't get to enjoy like the growth as a player, not only as a student and as a person, you know, the first year in college, but also as a player. Um you know, and, you know, sleep, I would say, like, if you're in a hotel room, kind of isolated all year, trying to take the protocols, um, man, that would be tough. Yeah. And so, listen, I think Caleb Love is going to – I think he's going to be a different player next year. And I know his he was a little inconsistent, like have a great game, kind of have a law. I think what he's going to learn is how to – I think what he's going to do is be more consistent, and I think he's going to develop – and learn how to run in the Coach Williams system. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a great year. Now, you look back at Ty. Now, Ty had a really, really good career. Mm-hmm. There was like a huge growth from one year to the next where Ty came out and you're just like, man, Ty has really improved. Ty is playing. And I think Caleb is very, very capable of that type of growth. And I think, you know, playing pickup and really working on his game and then really just another year, I think he's going to get a lot – a lot better and really improve and be more consistent. But so everyone, there's a lot of rumors, a lot of speculations and everybody wants to, you know, whenever you lose a game, all the negatives get brought to light and they've get the, you know, just multiplying by a hundred. And that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about right now. So, you know, potentially we have RJ Davis coming back. Yep. Okay. We have Caleb Love coming back. Mm-hmm. This is all speculation. Kerwin Walton coming back. Those are three pretty good guards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I would say, that's about as good as a backcourt as you might have in college. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Okay, Baycott. Yep. Baycott, all ACC team, right? Yep. Third or second team this year. Yep. We get him to come back. That is a good core. Mm-hmm. Okay. We we can work with that. Right. Okay. I'm not sure who our freshmen are coming in or who we're recruiting, but I think that core right there wins you games alone. And I think it not only wins you games, I think it puts you as one of the best teams in the ACC. Yeah. And also, let's not talk about they get another year to play with each other. Chemistry, growth, the whole COVID thing will be, hopefully, knock on wood, won't be as prevalent as it is right now. I think we have a great team. Okay. Now, we just need – we we are going to need some more depth. So, we'll have to figure that out. But I think we have guys that can hoop. And, well, and the I transfer think, portal yeah, can help uh, us too. Yeah, transfer portal. But Leaky Black, I think he can improve. Mm-hmm. I think Leaky can come in there. You know, I think it can provide great minutes and possibly a starter. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, 
I think he. Uh, I think I think we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and just kind of your comparison with Ty while you were chatting, I was you know went back and looked at his progression. So you know in his three years, uh, now granted he had you know his bar was set pretty high from his freshman year. I mean he uh, he went he improved in points per game every year. He improved in three point percentage every year. He improved in um, assists every year. He well, essentially. Uh, let's see, what was the other category? Field goal percentage. So, but of course, he started at shooting fifty percent from the field and shot fifty. I mean, is it, Ty was, in my opinion, Ty lost the greatest point guard ever play at Carolina. And if you take his Carolina career, that's my opinion, and nobody's going to knock me off of that one. I gotta agree with you on that. I mean, dude, he was incredible. I mean, a fifty-three percent from the field as a. Uh, it, but where you really saw him improve as he got older was his freshman year. He shot thirty-five percent from three. Now, you know, granted, look, he shot 50% of the field, 36% from three. Caleb shot 32% from the field, and like 23% from three. So I don't want to be like, you know, this guy's going to turn into Ty Lawson. That's not the case again. But, you know, Ty, by the time he got out of there, he had gone from being a 35% three-point three shooter to a 47% free throw shooter. Three-point shooter, sorry. Um, 53% from the field. 47% from three, 80% from the line, 16 points, 17 points a game, and six or seven, almost seven assists a game, two steals a game. I mean, <laughs> as your point guard, I mean, that dude is insane. So that was his, his junior year. Sleep, you got to, when you talk about like his field goal percentage going up, his three point percentage going up, a lot of that is actually team chemistry working mm-hmm. better with each other. I was other. going to ask you about that. Shot selection yeah. and knowing when to shoot and when to go off pick and rolls and, you know, shot selection, yep. working with your teammates, putting them themselves in position to score, all that can open up and you you know, I think you could see Caleb really do that is like his shot selection could mm-hmm. get much better. And you see those numbers go up. Sure. And then once he starts shooting really good, gets confidence from the three point line, you're going to start seeing the, the, the drives open up. Yep. People guard him different ways. Then he's going to, then he's going to be able to work with that and create for other guys. Absolutely. And, uh, also, uh, we got Mark Denny ask us about, will Leaky ever shoot? So to me, like, Leaky doesn't really – we don't need him to be a knockdown three-point shooter, although it would help. We're not telling people, no, hey, no, we don't want you to shoot an ex- you know extraordinary great percentage for three-point. We would love that. But you know what I think one thing is like Leaky could really do is I think Leaky could be a lockdown defender. And for Leaky to score is I think he's got to make a commitment to running the floor harder, um, getting easy buckets. And I think that comes with growth too and also uh, – Chemistry as well, but I think Leaky could be unbelievable defensive player. I think he can guard about anybody. He's got he's got athleticism. He has length. He has height. Um, you saw kind of that similar type of player. Uh, I would say Jackie Manuel. That's uh, exactly who I'm thinking. And I, you know, Jackie wasn't a great shooter, but I mean, that guy brought it. Yep, he brought defense. He brought he brought spirit to the team. And uh, people laugh at spirit. Spirit's important. Yeah. Uh, when you bring a, a positive energy and you come out on the court and you make a positive impact on the game, not just from a scoring or shooting perspective, you really, really do your team uh, – you, you really do a great service for your team. And that's what I think Leaky could be. Um, but I had one other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about, um, and I'll get back to it. It was Jackie Manuel you were on there yeah, for a so second. Yeah, so Jackie Manuel, great defensive player. 
But you look at our our team is Marcus Ginyard, one of the best defensive yep. players I played with. I mean, he I mean, you can make an argument Marcus could get hot and he was a little streaky at times, but his commitment to defense really gave himself like that was his identity. Mm-hmm. We knew the other team had a score and could really get hot. Marcus was that stopper mm-hmm. and Jackie was that stopper. And I think Leakey's capable of that type uh, of player. And I think he is capable of working on his game and putting himself in scoring positions. But where I think he would be best is if he really ran the court, got rebounds, and just made a commitment to getting easy buckets. And I think MG did that. And Marcus became a streaky shooter at times. He showed himself, but he was an unbelievable uh, defensive player. Yeah, absolutely. And you got a guy that, and that's what Leakey could be for this team. You know, comparisons aside, like they, these are the types of players that he compares to. Here's here's what I hope we get out of sophomore Caleb Love. I think we have a win sophomore Caleb Love if we get a sophomore Caleb Love similar to the transition that happened between freshman Marcus Page, sophomore Marcus Page. Freshman Marcus Page shot 35% from the field, shot 34% from three, out only averaged eight points a game, and played 29 minutes a game. You know, those numbers are, are you know, look, again, Love's – percentages are 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 even worse than that but in in uh marcus's sophomore year you know he was much more reliable shot 44 percent again still not great but but hell of a lot better than 35 and then uh you know improved slightly from three shot 39 percent and you know all of a sudden scored 17 and a half a game you know so you know the improvement can happen and it can be pretty drastic and then i think you know his his numbers never really like he never was the a great shooter but he was a gamer right and i think that like everybody likes marcus page because they knew like you know this dude was going to go out and compete and i think that's one thing that i did say uh you know about caleb love is look maybe there was some drama going on maybe there was some maturity issues not a caleb but of the team and like you know maybe the whole thing with the dad or whatever who knows what was going on but the one thing i give him a shitload of credit for is he's back you know, he, 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 he came and said, you know what, like what I can only hope is that he finally realized, or maybe he knew this all along and, 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 and just everything is making an assumption because of how it looked from the outside, but you can't argue with the fact that he's coming back and, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, you would ostensibly think that he's coming back to improve as a player. It'll all determine what he does in the gym this summer. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to have high hopes for him. Uh, you know, come next season, I think putting asses in the seats is really going to help. Yeah, and you know, you made a great point bringing up Marcus Page. If you look at Coach Williams and his point guards through the years, he doesn't get the credit. You you start with Raymond Felton, <sighs> okay, then parlay that with. You know, Bobby Frazier was a great role player, and his freshman year, he was a hell of a PG. Okay, he just happened to be. The next year, Ty Lawson yeah. was coming in. And Ty Lawson, you can make an argument, the best point guard to play at Carolina. Then you had Ty Lawson come in. Unbelievable. Marcus Page come in. And then we didn't even talk about Joel Berry. Joel Berry, yeah. Joel Berry had huge growth at the point guard position. Mm-hmm. And by the end of his – I'm not sure if he was ACC player of the year, but towards the end of his career or you know before his time was up at UNC – he was great. Kendall Marshall. We're not Kendall talking Marshall's about him. Awesome. I mean, yeah. yeah, we're talking about great PGs to play for Coach Williams. And I think, Caleb, I think he could be one of those guys. And also, we got to talk about R.J. Davis. Yeah. Uh, he showed some spurts, too. Yep. And, you know, let's not sleep on him. 
Now, if R.J. Davis has a hell of a year next year and plays to somewhat of his potential, really gets his confidence up, gets some more minutes, I could see him being a huge impact yeah. player. Yeah, and I think he's. I think they can play one and two together. Yeah, because Caleb has size, and I think R.J. Davis is a hell of a player. You know, love to see them on the court together next year. That would be tremendous. I'm excited to see Kerwin. I'm excited to see how the team grows. We've got two of the best uh, college, best high school kids from the state of North Carolina. The transfer thing could really be the X factor. I'm not going to sit here and like home it to death and say that we're going to win the national championship next year. I mean, we got a lot to prove given the last two years and how they've gone. Um, but that being said, like I, I, the one thing I think that makes us unique is – Right now, it feels like we have all three and four year players. Like it doesn't really feel like. Yeah, I don't know these two kids coming in. Caleb Love, I guess, could explode and go pro. I but, could see Caleb being done if yeah, he has a great year totally. next year. But you just saw, like, I mean, it's it, you. I, I, you cannot based on the, the 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 other proven sort of guards that we're looking at I just don't think you can expect for Caleb Love to come back next year and shoot 45 plus percent from the field and 40 you know somewhere near 40% from 3 and you know score uh, any more than he, I just don't see the leap happening. So what I'm what I'm getting at here, you know, Ty Ty tested the market after his uh, sophomore year and came back his junior year and just exploded. You know, so I mean, we could be seeing a recipe here where you know we get better next year and still have some maybe frustrating losses, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next year after that. We got Caleb Love, R.J. Davis. We got Kerwin Walton. We got you know we got some pieces, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I mean, look, it, you can't win. We're very fortunate as UNC fans, and and, and you know, very few other schools can really judge the barometer of their season by whether or not you know they're in the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, we've been there so many times; it's just like almost boring sometimes, you know. So um, never boring. That was the stupidest thing I've ever said on this podcast, but. You know, the point is, is just relax, guys. Like, we're going to be okay. Uh, we're not going to be uh, last year's team again. So, uh, meaning, meaning the year prior. But, yeah, it'll be – I'm glad he's coming back. I think it's the longest, longest possible way to say that. And I think as UNC fans, and I think this will calm everybody down, this is happening on every team. Okay, this, this transfer portal that everyone's kind of exploring – you know, can you imagine how many unhappy players are out in college? Yeah. It probably did. You guys just think about that. There's going to be a lot of people that may not do it, but they're going to think about it and really give it some thought. And the one thing I'll end on this, and the one thing that Ty did uh, before he made his growth in between those years is he really improved as a person as well. And it's not just like you know the more experienced Ty uh, God is playing, he just got better. Ty put a lot of work into his game, and he earned to get better. Okay, now a lot of young players, my best advice for them, I give them is, hey, earn it. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to give it to you. You got to go out in there and earn it. If you want to be a great rebounder, earn the rebound. The rebound's just not going to come and find you. You got to put the work in yourself, okay? And you've got to do everything. You got to put the work in in the gym. You got to put the work in in the weight room. And you got to put the work in as a person. That means – 
you know, showing respect to others, showing up on time to class and all those small things. And I know mm-hmm. we laugh about it, but that adds up and that yeah. means something to a lot of people. So earn it. And so that's my only advice is Ty earned to be a good player. He earned those points. He earned the field goal percentage. Now, these other kids, they have to do that. But I'm really looking forward to this team next year. A lot of people are going through what UNC is going through. So don't feel like we're on an island. And we will be back, okay? We will win. Coach Williams is a winner. And we will be a great team next year. Don't get too negative. Stay positive. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just well said all around. I think uh, – I think I already can't wait for next year. You know, we'll get we're gonna get we'll get going on some UNC football here soon and the next coming weeks because holy shit, you want to talk about getting good quick. Um I mean we got Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. Uh we got due to pro day, these dudes just went off at pro day. Like Deami Brown just ran like a four four. I mean, dude looks like a monster. He's like 18 reps on 225 and 36 inch vertical or something like that. I mean, these guys are just animals, man. They're they're going to be so good. Um, I'm excited to see where a lot of these guys land in the draft and where we're going to go. Um, do you think pro day is like over coaching for for football? Yeah. Do you think yeah. it's like over analyzing? Because the whole yeah, thing totally. is like you know you break a player down and then you break them down more. Yeah. And then it's just like all right, let's look for something bad. And then we'll have these pro days. Like analytics are one thing. You don't want analytics versus football. You want a little like you want the analytics to help you coach football. And I think Hugh Jackson was talking about this. Yeah. And I think he made a great point. And I think maybe the combine and all these like draft pre draft things. Uh, I think it's over coaching because if you look at the NBA draft, you have guys that won't even like. Yeah. They're like top ten picks, lottery picks. They're like, ah, why do I need to do this? I've already proved myself. Okay, yeah. I'm not doing this just so you can say, oh, hey, I bench pressed two twenty five. 27 times. And I think it might carry a little more weight in football. But, I mean, if the guy can play, if he can hoop, yeah. what's it matter? What is I mean, a vertical can be, a you know, his vertical could be 50 inches, yeah. but can he do it with pads and when the clock's yeah. going? Yeah. And so that's, that's an interesting point. Like, there's a few things I think matter at the combine or, or are valuable, right? Which uh, I think the strength – so, so the reps is is valuable because you know just it's it's a it's a tangible measurable. This dude can bench press two hundred twenty five pounds thirty straight times. This dude can do it eighteen. This guy's stronger. Forty yard dash. This guy is you know it, and those things are so infinitesimally small. But in football, I feel like those windows are that small. So this guy runs a four four. This guy runs a four two nine. Okay, that's a big difference, right? Um, I think the vertical matters because it's you know those are three sort of tangible athleticism things, and it's really too bad. That we've got so many people in the queue that we can't get Cam on because I think he could actually add value and speak to this. But I think from the quarterback's perspective, is 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 can these guys throw that across the field out route? You know, and on what kind of arm strength do they have? But other than that, these shuttle runs and like catching the ball and running around, I think it's all just a bunch of bullshit. Um, and as far as basketball, you know that way better than I do. But yeah, in basketball, what difference does it make what your vertical is? I mean, can you dunk? Like, can you dunk in traffic? Okay, fine. I don't care if you're a 40-inch vertical or 36-inch vertical. Are you fast? All right, how fast can you run while you dribble? Because um, Ty Loss can run faster than the fastest dude I ever saw while he's <laughs> dribbling a basketball. So, you know, it's um, – yeah. You, you, you bring up a good point. I think it's just hype. I think it's another way to sort of like – 
part of it, I think, is fan engagement and school engagement is a big deal for these kids. I'm always, I always feel like the kids that say, you know what, I'm not going to participate, get sort of a raw deal because, like, it sucks that somebody should ever even have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Like, should I go through this sort of like, what is that shit? They, the, 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 the game on TV where you run through all the obstacle course and like slide around all this Ninja Warrior or something. Like, yeah. I feel like some of it's like that. The kids just like, man, I'm good at football. I've won, I've won ninety percent of games I've ever played in. Like, you've seen me. Why? Do, and he gets, he gets judged negatively because he doesn't want to go through this circus act of, uh, you know, some like an SAT for athleticism. It's just, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So why would Trevor Lawrence ever like? He's going to be a top three, five pick, yeah. guaranteed. Why would? Why? I mean, hey, if you don't like me and you're questioning me, don't draft me. Yeah. I'm not going to go out and throw 100 balls for you. Like, you can go watch some of my game film and see some of the passes that I made. It's not like, you know, I don't know what this is going to do for you. Yeah, do your homework, I guess. It's certain, you know, he's got his scouts getting paid and yada, yada, yada. And you like, it's, it's kind of like a shooting fish in a barrel thing, man. Like, I don't, um, that was a stupid analogy. But, anyways, like, guys come in and, like, you've got all the tape in the world. You've seen all the games. You've seen all the situations. Like, do your work and, and, and get it through there. I mean, does the combine have value? I'd, I'd be really interested to know whether, you know, what some other people's comments are. But for me, I'm with you, man. I just don't see a ton of value in it. It's not anything I watch. Some people, like, watch the shit, uh, basketball and, and football. And I just think it's, it's pretty dumb. The, the one thing I will say about the combine, and I love watching this is like seeing a huge lineman just line up and run the 40. Yeah. And then some of these dudes that are this big that are running the 40, <laughs> you're like, golly. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. guy looked like he just yeah. came off the couch from a Krispy Kreme diner <laughs> and just goes out there and just like, this guy just comes out there and just has like his same bolt speed. And you're like, sponsored by Denny's. Yeah. How in the hell are you running this fast? And again, to me though, it's like, what difference does it make? Yo, I mean, he's fast <laughs> as shit, but like, can he get around the dude? And then can he, you know, I, I get that, 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 that the end speed means you can run down the quarterback, but I don't give a shit if this dude's 900 pounds and he can run a four, six, he ain't catching Kyler Murray, and, you know? And the best part is after they run the 40, they're over there, people fanning them down. <laughs> Like, well, good God, we're never going to have this guy run a 40 in an actual game because look at his ass. But, uh, yeah. He needs a turbine blowing on him to cool him back down, man. He's going to have a damn stroke out there running that fast. I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, the athleticism, like DK Metcalf running the 40. Dude, I watch that all day long. I mean, and him doing those drills where, like, they do the catching the ball off the, the, uh, uh, it was like a pitching machine or whatever, but you know, it, don't get me wrong. There's some really, really cool highlights, you know, but in terms of like tangible value, I think, uh, you know, I mean, if it had any value, guys like Jamarcus Russell would never got drafted first, you know? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, uh, it hypes me up to just have, uh, from a football perspective to just, you know, have, so many potential high picks in the draft uh, as part of the squad. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we can live up to the hype, man. That's the one thing I fear. In, in the, the one thing season. about college football that I always get a good kick out of is there's, I mean, the NFL is like, you know, you can have like unbelievable athletes, but at the college level, you have, you know, you still have that, but 
I mean, it seems like every college football program, they're just filled with meatheads. And it's just like you have that strength coach that is yeah. just running out there and headbutting people and you got a helmet with on. no helmet on, bleeding from the face, and he's just screaming, let's go, and bringing it out there and just walking around like he had just taken eight, eight scoops of C4 pre-workout. And you're like, golly, how does this guy do it? And then he gets up oh, there and he'll do some pull-ups and go hit the bench. And then you have some guy, you know, some of these Instagram videos of these football players in the weight room. You have like some some coach with a whistle, and then you have somebody like screaming, "Let's go, let's go!" I just kind of get it all a big kick out of that. Yeah, I think it's real funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean that from that aspect, I do like it. I like the drill where they lay on the ground. Two guys lay on the ground and they blow the whistle and they both get up and charge each other. And occasionally one dude will hurdle the other guy. And somehow that is like the most ultimate roast of all time, right? Like if you're about to just plow some dude in half and he jumps over you in one of these drills, like everybody freaks out. Or when they do the – one of my favorites is when they get some dude in there doing the squat. And he gets up there with about 42 plates on that bitch, and like does a squat and everybody goes crazy. And it's always pretty arguable whether this guy all the way, went all the way down. Um, but yeah, no, the hype, the hype element is great. And, um, you know, I don't know. I'm just so hyped about football because it's looking like we ain't going to get into this NFL thing. NFL is moving from 16 games to 17 games, getting rid of one game in the preseason. Uh, uh, commissioner says that they are expecting wide open, full capacity, full house for football. And the NFL, so I'm hopeful that the NCAA's greedy ass is going to put full asses in the seats for football season. And Sleep Dog and Big Hawk won't be at the Carolina Inn clawing them down until kickoff and probably well after. I can't wait for football. I can't wait either. Uh, hopefully the positive cases are down. Um, <laughs> you know, if they're not, then we really got to take a look at ourselves and realize what in the hell is going on. Um, yeah, I hope cases get down. Football, COVID, Smovid. We'll see what the NCAA does. Uh, I would like to be in the stadium watching it. I would love to be, uh, you know, finding normalcy again. I think it's starting to freak a little people. I mean, it's caused done a number to my anxiety. That's for sure at times. But I'm ready to. I'm ready to get back into the seats. I'm ready to have the experience again. And we're not being selfish. We're not being selfish at all. Mm-hmm. We just want to get back into the stadiums. No. Period. Absolutely. Uh, we got any other like DMs? Anything we need to handle here? Uh, I think we covered all the comments. Apparently, USC is just getting destroyed by Gonzaga right now. Oh wow! It makes me look like an absolute genius. Well, um, yeah, I'll go to the DMs and so I got my holiday card from Coach Williams. This is a good little oh yeah <laughs> filler, and he hit me up and <laughs> holiday card. What's the holiday? And. Uh, so he, he for the little, record, it is Tuesday, March thirtieth. Yeah, and so it was a little late, guys. And at the end, he said, "Stay safe, Coach Williams." And <laughs> no. I'll put it. I will put it on uh, Sleep Hawk's Instagram page. But I just died laughing when he said that. I, I don't think he was listening to the pod. If he is, I mean. God, that is great. But stay safe, Coach Wayne. I was just dying. <laughs> I loved it. But uh, there's a as I pull up our Instagram page, there's an official being carted off. Uh, he's wow. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he's got this look on his face like uh, everything's cool. What did he do? Roll his ankle? Golly, no. I think sleep. I think we covered everything. Um, we got Cam. What? Let's. Cam, we're going to have to catch you next yeah, week, Yeah, we're going to have to get you next time, buddy, because uh, we got one thing to tell Sleep Hog Nation. 
to ensure that you, the big hawk, I, Jean-Claude Tandan, former uh, Sleep Hawk employee, she depressed.